Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello again, everybody. Good morning to you, too. Um, this is going to be our last one in the series of Joseph. Has it gone by pretty fast at all? Am I the only one? Anybody agree or no? No one agrees with me? Joe, thank you for agreeing with me. I got one agreement right there, okay. So, uh, but this is the last in the, in the series. I think we've gone nine or ten weeks this summer in it. And let me point you to where we're going to go before I get into this. Next Sunday, we're going to start a series. It'll be a three-weeker and we're going to take uh, Romans chapter 12, which is a great chapter. And we're going to spend three weeks in that chapter right there and going over the things in there. <clears throat> and it talks about spiritual giftings, which is a really interesting thing. Being a living sacrifice and understanding each other and in serving and all those things like that. That's very important. Now, let me point you further, something I've shared on our Tuesday night study. And uh, something that the Spirit of God... Um, has been dealing with me for months and months. And it's, it started, I want to say, nine months ago. And I couldn't shake it, and I couldn't shake it. And, uh, and so I finally uh, said, you know, it is the right thing to do. And so after this series, this next one's done, called Living Sacrifice, then from there, I'm going to shift my Sunday morning uh, teaching kind of style or what we do on Sunday mornings because and what we're going to do is we're going to start to, not verse by verse, but we're going to look at the narrative of each chapter. We're going to start studying books on Sunday morning. Amen to that one? Uh, we're going to do that. Let me tell you. And there's a reasoning behind. So it's not a verse by verse. My Tuesday night is verse by verse. I go specifically verse by verse. That's even more in depth. Um, but we're going to take the narrative because here has been my, the, the conflict that the Spirit of God has put within me that I think in my small corner of the world I, I need to do something about, and that is, um, as I, as I <clears throat> look around, and I listen, and I watch, and I've been in church 42 years, been a Christian 42 years, I have felt um, in, in recent days very strongly that, and, and no offense to anybody, but it's just a general thing, that there's a real biblical illiteracy in Christians in America. Any amens on that one right there? I, I just It's just been a very, very... I don't know, pointed thing in my heart. And um, I feel like I need to do something about that. And so we're going to start to study books on Sunday morning. Now, in three weeks, we're going to begin uh, that first book, and we're going to study the book of Acts. That's going to be our first book, okay? We're going to go there. Now, let me tell you, uh, because that's where the church began. That's where everything began for Christians. And so it's going to be called something like first century fire because I just believe Christians today need some fire back in their lives. Amen to that one right there? So that, that would fit very comfortably. Now, when it's a long book like that, and I think it's, what, 28 chapters, um, there will be probably two to three times during the year, just so you know, that we will break and do a three- or four-week series on a topic that I think we need to hear about, then we'll pick up again in the book of Acts. So I'm going to do things like that. If it's a short book, like, say, Ephesians, well, yeah, after Ephesians, I can take a three-week series, do a topical there, and then hit right back into a book. And so we're going to go down that road um, because, once again, I feel like we just need to know our stuff. Like Peter writes in 1 Peter 
I need to be able to give an answer to everyone who believes for the hope that is within me. We need to know the things we believe. We need to be able to answer the questions coming at us and have a good grasp of things in this Bible. Does that make sense to everybody so far? Because that's what we're going to do. So hopefully it'll be a lot. It'll be fun for me. Maybe not. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. So um, that's what we're going to do. So today I want to talk on the last one on Joseph. Um, We traveled with Joseph. It's revenge or reconciliation. And here's what I mean by that. Um, If you have followed this series, if you've been here, um, you know now that Joseph is in power, correct? He is the prime minister in Egypt. So he's got the power. You also know that his brothers have now traveled to Egypt to buy bread because there's a worldwide famine. And they don't, you also know they don't recognize him because he looks Egyptian. Remember that? I won't do my joke again, walking sideways. Okay, we'll stop there. Um, we know that. And so we know that Joseph has said, you guys are spies. You've come to spout the land, even though he knows it's his brothers. And so he finds out that Benny's still alive. His younger brother, Joseph, is number 11 in the family. Benny's number 12 of the 12 sons. Benny is his full blood brother. Um, both have the same mother. Rachel, who dad Jacob truly loved. So he lets them go back, uh, but um, so they've come back and they brought Benny back, I should say. Now they brought Benjamin back. Benjamin is alive. But then Joseph, whom they do not know it's Joseph, they think he's uh, Zaphonah Penea, savior of the world. That's his name. The Egyptians gave him that name once he rose to that position. What he does is when he fills their sacks with food to go take back to dad and for the family to survive, He has his guys, Joseph has his guys put a silver cup inside Joseph's sack to make it look like he stole it. And so when they leave and and they're down the road a bit, Joseph now sends his own house steward. That's what Joseph was for Potiphar, was a house steward. He sends his house steward to go track him down. And when they track him down, because it's a setup and the brothers don't know this, he says, stop, stop, stop. Somebody here has stolen something. And we're going to see who it is. And they go through all the sacks and they find the silver cup in young Benjamin's sack. And they say, this man is a thief and now he will stay here and be a slave in jail here for the rest of his life in Egypt. When the brothers see this, they are shocked and they are panicked because dad, in the first place, do you remember dad never wanted to send Benjamin? Do you remember that? because he was afraid he'd lose young Benny. And this was the only of the two boys he had left from from Rachel because they all think Joseph is dead, even though Joseph is the one instigating all this as Ephraim Paneah. And so the panic happens. So in that moment, Joseph, um, I'm sorry, Judah, he decides, and Judah was the ringleader of the brothers when they sold Joseph into slavery into Egypt Reuben the eldest wasn't around for a moment he tried to save Joseph you remember that one so Judah now is begging for Benny's life please please because he knows dad will die if they don't bring Benny back dad's going to die and he says this to, to, to Joseph who doesn't know it's Joseph he says please let me take his place let me be the substitute sacrifice for Benjamin let him go and I'll serve I'll go to jail for the rest of my life. I'll, I'll just do that. I'll be the, 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 the substitute uh, sacrifice in this situation. Now, let me tell you two things about that that I think are pretty important. 
Number one, it shows that Judah, who was the ringleader in selling off Joseph at this moment now, 22 years ago, now we find that he is repenting of his sin. Is that correct? Which is a very good thing when a person finally comes to grip with themselves instead of looking at the problems everywhere else, they come to grip with themselves. And he's repenting. But here's a greater imagery of a prophetic future in Judah's life. Judah's line, his physical line, that will, his descendants that will come down 1,900 years or thereabouts from this moment where he says, take me in his place, let me be the substitute sacrifice. Somebody will be born by the name of Jesus. And then he'll come on the scene. And about 1,900 years from this moment, Jesus will become the substitute sacrifice for the entire world. Isn't that an amazing thing? That it's going to come from this guy, Judah, who says this to Zephaniah, Penea, but his line way down, Jesus will come, and he will be the substitute who carries the sins of the world upon his body for every one of us in this room and every one of us not in church this morning and everybody far from God. Amen to that one? Now, here's my question this morning that we have to answer, we have to look at, and that is this. Now that Joseph is in power, now that he's got the brothers there, he can do what he wants. And they're the ones who sold him off, and he spent 13 years basically in prison, in hell because of them. He has had the last nine years in power now, but now that he's got them, the question is, will he take revenge on his brothers or will he reconcile with his brothers? And that's really the question that you and I face periodically, is it not? Will I take revenge on that person, whether physically or just have it in my heart, revenge? Because you can have revenge in your heart and never carry it out. That's a fact. Will I take revenge or will I choose to reconcile with my brothers? Now, I'm going to answer that one in point three as we finalize this series but I got three points today that I think are very, very important as we move along. So number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, and I hope you just write these things down. First thing we're going to see is this. Joseph releases his pain rather than repeating his pain. Say that with me all together. One, two, three. Joseph. Let's try it again. You'll feel better after the third time. Here we go. Joseph. How many know that's wisdom? You've got to release it correctly. Otherwise, you're going to react or you're going to repeat it. Now, if you have your Bibles, if not, it'll be on the screen. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 45. Now, verse 1 through 3 says this as we go into the story. It says, Then Joseph, because the brothers are there, Judah's pleading, take my life. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Joseph sends everyone out, all the people that serve him, any bodyguards, everybody, you get out and the brothers stay in this room with me. Verse two, he wept so loudly. Now Joseph is crying. Can you imagine the brothers? This guy is crying. This is the prime minister. He's crying loud. Not just, he's loudly crying. It's deep that the Egyptians heard it. Everybody outside of that area there, they can hear Joseph crying. It is so deep. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. So it's traveling. Then Joseph said to his brothers, 
And here comes the line. Here it is, 22 years later. He says, I am Joseph. How would you feel if you're the brothers? What would you be thinking? First off, you're lying. There's no way. But if there is any possibility that you are, I'm in big trouble. And then notice what Joseph says next. Because remember, he's crying. Is my father still alive? Do you think he's missed his dad? You better believe it. But his brothers, notice, 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 could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Would you be dismayed? Yeah, I'd be beyond I'd, dismayed. Yeah, understand me. I'd be dismayed on steroids. This would be like shocking. Now, let me talk to you on this because this is kind of a vein of my life. Every one of you has a certain passion in your life, a certain way the Spirit of God moves to you, and you'll always default back to that way in the way you minister to people. You may not know that, but that's a true statement for you. Everybody's got their own vein, and it's where you've come from and how the Spirit has worked in you. Joseph, this is an important thing, he releases his pain instead of reacting Instead of allowing his pain to cause him to blow up and be angry. Do you follow that so far? He begins to cry. And not only does he cry, he cries deeply. It is so deep of a pain in his life. So much hurt, so much longing. Is my dad still alive? Brothers, it's me. And he cries, and he cries so deeply. It's a cleansing cry. Say that with me. It's a cleansing cry. It's so deep. Because of everything that he's been holding in for so long, that he's now allowing himself to release and cry it out rather than repeating the anger or whatever or reacting. Okay. <clears throat> I'm, I, um, um, let me tell you one of my favorite things in ministry. I, I love to teach the Bible. <laughs> Boy, if my life is in chaos outside some way, when I stand up here with this Bible, it's like everything is right. Does anybody know what I mean? Do you have a place like that? Where it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. When you're doing this certain thing, everything's right. Everything's right. I can always relate that. Has anybody ever seen the movie Remember the Titans? Remember that? And Denzel Washington makes a statement in that movie, and he says this. He says, he goes out to the football field that night, and you know, he goes, yeah, this is my sanctuary. This is where everything makes sense. And this, for me, is where everything makes sense in my life. But there are little offshoots of this, I should say big offshoots of this, that I thoroughly enjoy. I, I just love it. And, and, and I'll love it till the day I don't get to do it anymore. But here, here's what I, I love so much. I get to talk to people. And because of where I've come from and all the pain of my past and all the anger that I carried, and when I finally started to have to look at it 33 years ago, and start to deal with it, and not blame this, or blame that, or blame society, or blame that person, or blame my dad, or blame everybody else, I finally dealt with me. And thank God, because I would have never been up here at all, had I not. But I started down that road reading, and studying these things, and issues, and stuff, so I could understand why I was the way I was, why I was destroying my marriage, why I was this way, why, what was it about me? What happened? 
And I started to connect the dots. You guys all know my story. You know my story. Now, what I get to do and what I thoroughly love is this. I get to talk to people. And my wife knows this is my term. I'll come home and I say, Olivia, I got to crack open another one today. Now, that is not, trust me, it's not an arrogant statement. It's not a statement like, all right, I got to get some. No, I just thoroughly love when the Spirit of God uses me and Satan has blinded somebody for so long in their life and they're wrecking things that I get to crack them open and they can see why they're doing what they're doing based on the past, connecting the dots to the present and their eyes are wide open. Does anybody know what I mean? I love that moment. It's the greatest moment after this of my life. I got to do it, I don't get to do it as much as I used to because I don't counsel as much, but I got to do it a couple times even this month. It was like, have I seen guys cry in my office? You better believe it. Have I seen gals cry in my office? You better believe it. Yeah, I've seen the cries, I've seen the tears, and I will see more because I get to crack it open and they get to see for the first time why they are the way they are. Why they see it this way. Why they sabotage this. Why they do that. And it's so important to me. Now, I take them deeper, and here's what I try to get people to do because this is what I had to realize in my life because I'm talking about releasing it rather than reacting. I had to come to this place, and I came to this place 30-some years ago. That, um, and, and Joseph's 39. Let me play it off Joseph, and I was 33. That, that at 33 years old for me, I was 33 years physically I was a 33 year old adult I was a 33 year old intellectual adult well that's questionable but anyway um, but emotionally I was still a child anybody know what I mean Joseph's 39 let me just use him 39 he's a 39 year old physical body 39 year old intellect but he's got emotions pent up from the past correct from age 17 when I finally get someone to realize this and I share my story, I say to them, okay, let's say you're 40. You're 40 years old, you're a 40-year-old adult, you're a 40-year-old intellectual, but when you're acting this way, and they usually come in because there's problems, and now I show them connected us, when you're acting this way, how old are you emotionally? And they will invariably say something like 8, 10, 12, they usually don't go beyond 12, okay? Because they know they're acting like a child. And I try to get people to that place to realize, you got stuck emotionally, as I did. And that emotional part of you, just like your spirit and just like your body's going, it has to grow. It's got to get past that point. Because what you're doing is, you're giving the keys to the car to an 8-year-old. And that 8-year-old can do a lot of damage in relationships. Can they not? They can do a lot of damage. And I try to teach people this, and when their eyes open up, I go, oh my God, Olivia, I got to crack open another one. It was, it was glorious. It was spirit-led. It was so good. Let me tell you, let me tell you what, what I mean and, and try to lighten it up before you think, this is getting too heavy for me. I'm going to leave. No, you don't have to go anywhere. Okay, so uh, um, I, I've got these grandkids. And, and Lincoln, uh, she's a year and 11 months, Lincoln. And Lincoln is the one that if you turn your back on her, she's everywhere. She's going to be everywhere all the time. It's just the way she... Anybody know anybody like that? I mean, it's like, it's nonstop. It's like, how did I ever raise children? You know, they'll wear me out. 
I'll say, so I go in the backyard because Nathan and Lindsay were living with us for a month while they were moved between houses. And I go to water the potted plants, the ones that my wife got and I never wanted, and I'm watering them. <laughs> I tell people, I go, do not give my wife another potted plant, please. Please, no. So I'm watering the potted plant. Lincoln comes up, you know, Lincoln, and she's reaching up, and she wants to hit the water because she wants the water to sprinkle on herself. I go, I let her do it, and so finally I keep on watering, and I come, I have this certain hillside. If you've ever been to my house, there's a basket right there, and there's a hillside there, basket for basketball, because that's the only sport. But anyway, um, so there's a brown spot there, and I always water the brown spot because the sprinklers don't seem to get that very well. Well, the water rolled down the hill this day. It rolls onto the basketball court, probably about maybe eight feet long and about maybe, maybe a foot and a half wide. And so then I turn away, and I go to the other potted plants. I turn back. And I see Lincoln, who's a year and 11 months. And Lincoln is now fooling full body, laying down in that water. And that's not done. She's there, <laughs> drinking the water. I go, Lincoln, what are you doing? Lincoln. <laughs> no, you know, and let me tell you more about Lincoln. So I go over her house Thursday, and they're working on the front yard, and it's kind of muddy. She turns around, her whole mouth is full of mud. She likes eating mud. You know, it's like, oh, that's about right, you know. Let me tell you more. You want to know more about her? They took her to the beach three, four days ago. She will sit there. If she has an audience, look out, man. She sits there, picks up sand, eats sand. And then she picks up, they go, don't do it. And once you tell her, don't do it, she just stares at you like, really? And then other people are watching, they told me, and she sees everybody watch. She goes, to the point that a day later, Nathan's cleaning her diaper with sand in it, okay? Am I right? Can I say that in church? It don't matter if I can. I just said it, right? So Lincoln, but there she is. She's face down in the water, sucking up water off the cement that rolled off the hill. I go, Lincoln, and I thought, no, that's par for the course. Now, if I turned around and there was my wife Olivia face down on the cement, <laughs> sucking up water, I would say... You know, we have a problem. For one, I'm not kissing you for a while because I don't know what you were sucking up off that cement because that would be weird, wouldn't it? For this almost 40-year-old woman to be... <laughs> Do I win? See, I just won right there. And I just taught you men something about life, okay? And so, and so I would say, there'd be something wrong if Olivia's doing that. Same is true because she's too old to be doing that. Same is true when you see someone reacting, 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 reacting here, reacting to your spouse, reacting to the coworkers, reacting to this, always react. That's a child, guys. That's a child because they've got some pain in the past and they're not releasing it correctly. Now, let me do the either or thing because you're saying, well, I don't react. Yeah, you stuff it all inside, don't you? That's what I did. You shut down, you close down, you don't talk, you disconnect. That's just as bad as the reactor. Anybody? Amen. Yeah, don't raise your hand because I'll come and get you. No. And so you've got to learn to release it. Joseph is releasing it. You've got to learn to release it right. And it's process. It's not in a moment. It's process. Other than if you don't do it, you're going to react. And you're going to blow up relationships. And you're going to do things. You're going to hurt friends. You're going to tell people ugly things. You're going to do all kinds of stuff. Because it's not you as a 40-year-old uh, physically or intellectually. It's an 8-year-old emotionally running the show. Do, have I made sense? Okay, good. Can I move on now? 
Okay, whoosh, I got that one out of my system. Good. I, you know, I feel much better. No, it's, it's not about me. N- number two. <clears throat> um, oh, no, no, no. Let me say something. How much time do I have? Oh, my gosh, my gosh, my gosh. You want to hear this one? Yeah, me too. When they hear Joseph say, I am Joseph, they brother, the brother, this is real quick. The brothers, remember, knew him as Zephanath Panea, right? Which means supporter of life or savior of the world. Now they realize, listen, now they re- listen, that the one they rejected 22 years ago is the savior of the world. How many billions of people will stand there on the day of judgment? The white throne judgment and look at Jesus and go, oh no, the one I rejected is the savior of the world. Is the savior of the world. I didn't put my faith in Jesus. And now I stand here on the day of judgment. And it's too late. And it's too late. Isn't that crazy? Okay, let's move on because that was heavy. Anyway, number two, Joseph stresses God's initiative in the whole thing. This is big. Now, Joseph will stress the initiative of God in the whole thing. Watch Joseph's words or his words because I don't think I would have said this or maybe, but I doubt it. Verse five through eight, he says, "Now now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Notice what he said. Who sent him? He says, God sent me here. Whoa. Verse 6, For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. So now there are two years in the famine. That's how we know it's 13 plus 7 plus 2. So now we know 22 years ago, he was sold by his brothers. Um, Verse 7, God sent me before you. There he says it again. God sent me before you to preserve you for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Verse 8. Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord to all his household and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now, 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 think about this. Think about this. He says, it was God who sent me here. Now, very quickly, can't get into theologically, but just to make the same. This is double causation. This is just true of, 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 of life. Now, first we have God's sovereignty. Who does Joseph say sent him there? Okay, that's one side of it. First cause, who are the people that sold him into slavery? His brothers. That's a second cause. That's double causation. There's God's sovereignty and the responsibility of man. They're working in unison together. That's double causation. Just so you get it. But here's the thing, okay? Does Joseph sound bitter? He sounds better, doesn't he? How can he not be bitter, but instead be better? Well, what did he say? It wasn't you who sent me here. It was? It was God. You know how that statement would heal so many hearts if we just got that? Let me tell you the hardcore facts of that statement. And maybe it'll help one person. Life isn't fair, is it? It really isn't fair. Some things happen, and why'd that happen to me? 
And why didn't this happen for me? But it happened good for them, but this never happened for me, or this happened there. Why did it? Life isn't fair. It's because we live in a fallen world, right? Sometimes we forget that. It's a fallen world. But what if? What if we looked at our life like Joseph and we said, that season of years I went through or that decade or that two decades or for some of us, that entire life I went through, maybe this was so I could make it better for someone else around me or after me. Any amens? Is it possible? Say yes. It's highly possible that I went through these difficult times so that I could help somebody else. That God let me go through this stuff so I could help somebody else. And maybe I could make it better for you or make it better for my kids or something like that. Let me tell you, the only way I can handle a statement like that, or some of us maybe, and not grow bitter is because... I'm a follower of Christ. In that, I know that this life is not all there is, correct? But if this life is all there is, if I'm not a follower of Christ and this life is all there is, I can grow pretty bitter, huh? Because it wasn't fair. It just wasn't fair. But as a follower of Christ, knowing that I'm going to live beyond this body, that I'm going to go into eternity with Jesus... And if my life didn't pan out certain things the way I thought it was supposed to be, and why did they get that, and I didn't get that, and what's going on, God? And I've gone through decades of this and stuff like that. I can grow better. I don't have to be bitter because I know this is not all there is. Any amens on that? And hopefully that helps you. Hopefully that solves some of the pain of somebody's life in this room that you serve this God and you've got an eternity and you're going to live beyond these moments and this isn't all there is. And I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what I've gone through. But you know what? (laughs) There's a beyond that's way better than this one and we can live better now and not bitter. Amen to that one? Now, quick sidebar. You want a sidebar? Look at verse 5. He says to them, do not be grieved. Once they find out it's him, he says, do not be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. In other words, you did it. So now they're knowing the only guy who could know this is Joseph, right? You sold me here. And my name's Joseph. He says, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. What's the issue here? Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Look, there are people in this room, in every church, you can't forgive yourself. You have a hard time forgiving yourself for things in the past. You have a hard time thinking God forgives you for things in the past. Take a lesson from the scriptures. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. God forgives everything. Let it go. Because if you don't let it go, you're going to walk around with this big weight on your shoulders, correct? And God wants you to be free. Come unto we to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, forgive yourself. Look, if we sat in a big round table and we all shared our ugly sins from the past, you know, we'd all be going, oh my, you? Yeah. Yeah, all, we'd all be looking at each other like, oh my gosh. But Jesus takes all that, he cleanses it away under the blood, and you and I are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're righteous. Everything. Everything. 
Does that make sense? So you can forgive yourself. And you can walk a new life. You could be better. You don't have to be bitter. Now, here we go. Here's the big issue. Number three. I told you I'd answer the question. See what Joseph does. Number three, Joseph chooses to forgive and reconcile. Now, if, if there are lemons in Joseph's life, which there are, this will be the biggest lemon that he's got to get out of the way. Correct? He's got to make some lemonade out of this one. Now look at verse 9 through 15. I'm going to read it, comment, then I'm going to shift to chapter 50 because something happens and I'm going to jump over these things. Now look at 9 through 15. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph. You think that'll shock dad? God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not delay. Stop. Joseph has been in power for nine years. Logical question. Why hasn't Joseph, who's in power, knows where his dad is? Why didn't he go back to see his dad over the nine-year period? Anybody think that besides me? I'm kind of curious about that. He had the power. He could go. Is it possible? This is just a maybe. Is it maybe possible that Joseph has learned the hard lesson of the dreams that God gave him and what he went through that you must wait on God for the fulfillment of the dream and you cannot force the dream's fulfillment. Any amens? Because the second dream of the two dreams that he had in Genesis 37 was that his father would bow down before him. So he can't go back and force that bowing down. It's got to happen in God's time, in God's way. And maybe that's the answer. I don't know. I'll ask him when I get to heaven, okay? Verse 10. He says, you shall, in other words, bring him here, you shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Stop. Joseph does not know that now he has set in motion the prophecy of Genesis chapter 15 that they would be slaves for four generations or 400 years in this foreign land. He doesn't know by making this statement here that he begins this process bringing the family there where they will eventually be slaves under the Egyptian rule. Isn't that crazy? This is what he's setting in motion. He doesn't even know it. Verse 11. There will also... There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come, and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Verse 12. Behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Stop. He has stated, I am Joseph. He has stated, you sold me into slavery. If they still doubted that he is Joseph, when he says, my brother Benjamin, and he names him, and he probably points at him. If there's any doubt that this is Joseph, that's all erased now because now he knows who Benjamin is, huh? He knew Benjamin's name. So he says his name is Joseph. He knew he sold him into slavery. He names Benjamin by name. They know without a doubt this is Joseph, their brother. Verse 13. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt. Go tell dad what happened in my life and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Now watch, watch, because his emotions are still raging. They're still releasing. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Benjamin tried to save him. I'm sorry. Benjamin was a little brother, right? So they're crying on each other's shoulders. 
Verse 15. Watch, 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 watch. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Look at verse 14 and 15. What is curiously missing in that statement? He hugs Benjamin, his younger brother, little Benny. And they're crying on each other's shoulder. He turns and says, he hugs all the other brothers. He cries on their shoulder. Does it say they're crying back? They're not crying back. Something's not reconciled there. They're not sure. We don't know what's going to happen here. They're still dismayed. They're still in shock. Now, back to the question. Will Joseph, will you and I, we're Joseph basically, will Joseph take revenge and punish them? Or will he reconcile and provide for them based on his position now? What will he do? Because that's the question you and I face in our life. Now, we're going to flash forward Genesis chapter 50. While you're turning there, if you have your Bible, understand that when we get to this spot, <clears throat> dad has died. Dad has come to live there. They've spent years together, but dad now dies. If you are the brothers who sold him into slavery and dad is dead, what is now going to go through your mind? He's going to kill us now. He probably kept us alive just while dad's alive. But now he's going to get us. Now watch this. Verse 15 of chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? Are they scared? You better believe it. I would be too. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, they didn't go face to face. Let's send him a message. Your father charged before he died. This is what dad said before he died, Joe. Thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin for they did you for they did you wrong and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the god of your father and joseph wept when they spoke to him and he begins to cry again then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said behold we are your servants there's the dream from 37 right but joseph said to them here's what he responds cuz they're scared just what's he going to say here it is right here do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? And then he says, As for you, you meant evil against me. This is the great verse of Genesis for Joseph's life. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. In other words, remember, it was God who sent me here to preserve you. Verse 21, so therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. <clears throat> How is Joseph able to do this? How's he able to do it? What they did to him. Well, I think there's two things, one that we read and one I'm going to tell you about in the story that's not mentioned but I think it did happen 
Well, the, the action, the, it did happen, but I think this transaction took place in it. First off, he says, am I in God's place? In other words, am I God? Am I the judge? I'm not the judge. So I don't take judgment. It's not my place. I'm not God. So relax, everybody. We're good. But let me tell you what I think happened in the background of everything. Joseph's father is brought to Egypt, correct? His name is Jacob. Do you think Jacob, dad, and Joseph, the son, had years of catching up and dialoguing? Oh, you know they did. They talked a lot. They had to have. Let me tell you what I think. This is an I think. I can't prove it's own because you, 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 you're exact. It's an I think, okay? But I think I'm right. Joseph's father, Jacob, when he was younger, what did he do? He tricked his father and he tricked his brother. Remember that story? Once he tricks his brother and his father, his brother Esau, what does he want to do to Joseph, uh, to Jacob? That's a killing. What does Jacob do? He flees. He flees, and he goes to live with Uncle Laban. That's where he meets his wife. He's gone for 20 years. The same amount of time, 20 years before Joseph sees his brothers again. Jacob, his dad, was gone 20 years from the family, and then he has to come back. And he comes back, and he's terrified. He's afraid that his brother Esau is going to kill him. And he comes to that Jabbok River, remember that? And he sends his family on ahead. And he finally, long story short, he meets Esau face to face, and he's, he thinks he's going he's to kill me. And Esau says, don't worry about it, man. Water under the bridge. I have plenty. That was a long time ago. We're good. We're good. I think that Joseph's father, Jacob, told him what happened in his life and how he was forgiven by his brother. And that was the bigger way to go. I think he told that to Joseph in his conversations. And therefore, Joseph, when the time came to make the decision, do I take revenge or do I reconcile? I think he's able to say, we're good, man. I'm not God. God sent me ahead of you. I'm going to provide for you. No revenge in my heart. No ill will. We're going to reconcile. We're going to have a lot of great family times together. And I'm going to take care of you and your kids and your grandkids. Be the way God has blessed me. Yeah, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Man, if we could live that, how much we'd get along with others, how much better we'd get along with others. And the only way we can live that is because you and I, as Christians, know the living God. That's the only way. It's the only way. Amen. Well, the series is over. Can I say my line? Series over, Del Campo out, okay? Stand up with me, everybody. Stand up. Stand up. I love saying that.
Let me go ahead and pray. But I don't want you to lose thought. I pray for everyone here, myself. Whether it's issues from the past that we're not resolving, or if we have ill will still towards people that have done us whatever, I pray that we can release, that we can forgive the way God has forgiven us. That way we can have peace and joy and be a great light and witness and testimony to people out there that just need Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this great story. If you're not a Christian, you've never put your faith in Jesus, remember what I said earlier in the message. When they finally realize that this Savior of the world is their brother, the one they rejected 22 years earlier, there will be billions of people stand before Jesus one day, having rejected him in many services and many places, and realize the one I rejected was the creator, only God, and Savior of the world. You don't want to stand there in that day. You want to get your life right now with Jesus. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you'd like to, or you backslid and you want to get your life right with Christ, do me this favor right now. Look up at me right now. I'm going to look back at you. When our eyes meet, you can close them. Just do it very quickly. I'm going to look around. God bless you. God bless you. Yep. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Now I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Everyone's going to say it with you. You just put your faith in Jesus now as you say it. That's as simple as that. Everybody say it with him. Here we go. You repeat with us. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would be the substitute sacrifice for my life that you would carry my sins upon your body on the cross to save me, to forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Allow me to pray. God, I pray for everybody looked at. Follow him, guys. Follow him for the rest of your life. Don't turn back. Don't let any pull you, anyone pull you sideways. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your fire. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. amen and amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.